morning. It brings me great joy to have the opportunity to worship with you all this morning. I trust that you are joining me in praying for the for the Porterfields and also for Vaughn as they are enjoying much needed time away and enjoying precious time with their family. For those of you who are newer to the Fab Fold, my name is Jana. I had the joy and privilege of serving on the ministerial staff at Fifth Avenue Baptist Church for 10 years. More than that, however, this is the place where people who love Jesus led me to know Jesus as my personal savior and where I was baptized. It is the place where families welcomed my family 25 years ago and allowed us to be a part of the family. It is the place where people who loved Jesus and wanted to serve Jesus taught me what it means to lead life on mission. It is a place where pastors believed in my calling and invested in helping me to fulfill my calling through seminary, service, and leadership. It is a place where people who love Jesus placed their hands on me and prayed over me during my ordination. It is the place where hundreds of people gathered to witness and rejoice with my husband Ryan and I as we became a family and showered love upon us over and over again as we welcomed our greatest joys, Kathleen, Carolyn, and Topher. It is the place where my children were dedicated and where I had the privilege of baptizing two of them, Kathleen and Carolyn, as my sisters in Christ. Some of the holiest of holiest moments have taken place in this space of worship and with many of you. Today, I am grateful to be here sharing in God's word with you and thank you so much for having me. The lectionary text today comes from Luke chapter 10 that was read earlier in the service. In the chapter prior, Jesus gave his 12 disciples the power and authority to drive out demons and to cure diseases. He sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. They were told to take nothing for their journey, no bag, no bread, no extra shirt. They were to enter a house and stay there until it was time to leave. If they were welcome, they stayed. And if they weren't, they were told to shake the dust off of their feet and to keep moving. They went from village to village proclaiming the good news and they healed the sick wherever they went. This story in Luke chapter nine gets overshadowed often because also in Luke chapter, chapter nine is the story of the transfiguration. Hard to compete with, right? Also the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 and healing a demon possessed boy. All of these are found 
in chapter 9 of Luke. But chapter 9 also marks a transition of Jesus' new ministry. Jesus is premeditating his move from Galilee to, towards Jerusalem by sending out his disciples ahead of him, just as he did in chapter 10. Scholars have debated for centuries if Jesus sent out 70 people or 72. But if we were only to focus on the number, we may be missing the point. Jesus had a mission for those individuals. He was sending them out in pairs to towns and places where he himself also intended to go. Jesus was intentional about calling these individuals and he is giving them the opportunity to participate in proclaiming the kingdom of God. Even though Jesus was giving them this opportunity to participate in the divine, the task did not seem all that glamorous. Jesus was calling these individuals into a harvest that was ripe and full, but would contain more work than there was workers. Being understaffed in a field of great harvest is a daunting and overwhelming task. He was sending them out like lambs among wolves. It was a task that was going to put them in harm's way, and it was risky. He told them to not take a purse or a bag or sandals and to be so focused on the mission that they would not even be able to greet somebody on the road. They would not have the means to care for themselves and they would have to be dependent on the generosity of others. Jesus was asking the appointed ones to become vulnerable. This scripture is a reminder to us that if we are wanting to be sent out, if we feel called to participate in the kingdom of God, we must first be willing to be vulnerable. Brene Brown, an author and researcher and leading professor, is a leading voice in the study of vulnerability. Her 2012 TED Talk has been viewed more than 41 million times. In that TED Talk, she states, vulnerability is the birthplace of innovation, creativity, and change. She would later write in her book, Daring Greatly, that we must be vulnerable. Vulnerability is the birthplace of love, belonging, joy, courage, empathy, and creativity. It is the source of hope, empathy, accountability, and authenticity. If we want a greater clarity in our purpose or a deeper and more meaningful spiritual lives, vulnerability is the path. 
When we think of vulnerability, we often associate the word with weakness, defensiveness, helplessness, openness, exposure, and maybe even liability. In this case, however, how can it be the birthplace of innovation, creativity, and change? How can walking away from our comforts, our assurances, our resources, our normalcies lead us to places of love, belonging, joy, and courage? In the context of our scripture today, Jesus was asking the appointed ones to be vulnerable in order that they may experience God's provision, grace, and power. In this passage, they chose to embrace vulnerability. If we want to experience the joy that comes through participating in the kingdom of God, we have to also be willing to be vulnerable. The ones who were being sent out did not have the resources that often we think we need to participate in the work of Jesus. They did not have a place to lay their heads, shoes on their feet or money in their pocket. But Jesus was not requiring those things. He simply was asking for them to show up, despite their vulnerability. They were walking into the unknown, only trusting in the words of Jesus and his instructions, showing up despite inadequacies, despite fears, placing them in a position of vulnerability. In those moments, we can experience God's power more clearly. When we can't rely on our own comforts, it is when we can feel the presence of the great comforter. When we trust God with the outcome, it is then that we experience God's grace and God's provision. Vulnerability opens our hearts, minds, and spirit to experiencing the miraculous. Jesus describes the second lesson to be learned through the scripture by describing two different scenarios and if you have your Bibles with you, I invite you to turn to Luke 10, verse 5. Whenever you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat and drink what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. 
but when you enter a town and are not welcome, go into the streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. In the midst of rejection or acceptance, the message and the mission is consistent. The preachers did not wait, as Fred Craddock writes, to see how they would be treated before, before preparing their sermons, nor did they have a different message for different groups. Their role was to prepare the way for Christ and to participate in the kingdom through the announcement that the kingdom is near. The role of the missionary was to be a consistent message, and that message was available to all who were willing to receive it. In his commentary on the Gospel of Luke, Joel B. Green writes, Luke uses the scene to prepare for and anticipate a mission that is in the process of expanding the land of the Jews. The appointing of the 72 foretells in a symbolic way a concern for all people of the world. The kingdom of God will be proclaimed and it will be experienced as human restoration or judgment. Jesus would be doing the restoration and the judgment. And the people who prepared the way would be sharing the message of the kingdom was coming, regardless of whether or not they wanted to receive it. The receiver simply needed to open the door and invite the one being sent in. Over the past several years, I have knocked on many doors and met new people as part of my doctoral work. I have walked into dozens of churches, businesses, nonprofits, neighborhood meetings, and the like in order to gain wisdom and understanding as it related to the Huntington community and beyond. However, over the past few years, nothing has impacted me more than being a faith leader as part of the quick response team in Huntington. The quick response team visits people in their homes 24 to 72 hours after they have overdosed. The goal of the quick response team is to meet people where they are, to show up, to be vulnerable, and to engage in a discussion of treatment. The Huntington QRT is the only QRT in the country that has a faith leader as part of the team which speaks volumes about our leadership in Huntington. Over the last couple of years, I have been able to participate in the team and train additional faith leaders to be a part of that team. A member of EMS, a recovery coach, and a police officer also makes up the team. In Cabell County this year, overdoses are down more than 40%. More and more people are receiving treatment because many people, not just the quick response team, are showing up with a consistent 
message, and it is this. You matter. You are important. You are loved. You are a child of God, and you are not alone. Every day, there are hundreds of people that are all around us that need to hear those words. Whether it is a shut-in from the church, a neighbor down the street, a friend of your child's, a family member, or a coworker, now is the time to share the message that the kingdom is near by showing up despite our vulnerabilities. It is there that the kingdom becomes real and alive, and through that, lives are changed. Vulnerability takes us into places that we could never imagine, and the consistent message of the love of Christ is the transforming agent. Through our showing up, God can work in miraculous ways through us. The sick can be healed, hope can be restored, and purpose and meaning can once again be felt. C.S. Lewis writes in his book, Mere Christianity, the church exists for nothing else but to draw people into Christ, making them little Christ. If they are not doing that, all the cathedrals, clergy, missions, sermons, even the Bible itself are simply a waste of time. God became man for no other purpose. It is even doubtful, you know, whether the whole universe was created for any other purpose. One of the things I have always been so proud of as it related to Fifth Avenue Baptist Church is the legacy within they have within the Huntington community that you have within the Huntington community. Fifth Avenue Baptist has planted churches throughout this entire community. This is from the historical reference found in the church library. The church was growing so rapidly and so fast that they felt the need to plant an additional church in the Huntington area. In 1892, the church dismissed 143 members to organize the 20, 20th Street Baptist Church. In 1894, they dismissed an additional 56 members to organize the Central City Baptist Church. And in 1915, they dismissed an additional 78 members to organize the Walker Memorial Church. Congregational members embraced vulnerability, being willing to go out sharing the same message that they had received. Churches were planted in neighborhoods 
lives were changed, and only heaven knows the impact. This is the DNA of this congregation, sending out so that others may know the love of Christ. It is through vulnerability that we are open to sharing the message of Christ to people who may not know his love otherwise. But when we participate, we realize that this vulnerability, this message is what brings each of us purpose, meaning, and ultimately joy. They had witnessed in the 72 had witnessed joy when they were sent out. And the scripture says that when they returned, that they returned with joy. They had witnessed in their vulnerability, sharing in the message of God, the miraculous. Not only that, but as Jesus points out, the reason to rejoice was because their names had been written in heaven. Christian joy does not ultimately rest on our achievements. It rests upon a deep sense of relationship with God and a knowledge of the destiny to which that relationship leads each one of us. We can sense this deep relationship when we trust in Christ, even when we don't know the outcome. Essentially, joy comes from faith. I wonder what our churches would look like if each week in our vulnerability, we were sent out, empowered by the Spirit, to share the message of God's love and grace. What evidence of joy could be seen and experienced because of our willingness to simply show up where God was leading? What if our faith was not based on our Sunday morning attendance, but instead on sharing the good news of the kingdom to the world? What if the empowered church rose up together to share the transformational love of Christ in the Huntington community? What transformation could be seen, felt, and understood as a result? Would we all be able to experience true joy through faith in Christ? Several weeks ago, um, something significant happened in our lives, and that's that our little boy Topher celebrated his sixth birthday. He shares a birthday with West Virginia. So West Virginia turned 156 and Topher turned six, right buddy? Yes. Um, but something else happened that weekend on June 21st that many people were anticipating. Does anybody know? Toy Story 4 came out. How many of you seen Toy Story 4? How many of you want to see Toy Story 4? 
Well, for those of you who want to see Toy Story 4, I am about ready to blow the whole scene for you. So if you want to leave, Foster, you may go ahead and go. But the world loves Toy Story, right? Love the story of Sheriff Woody riding in to protect the whole playroom in order that Andy, the little boy, may experience joy. And Woody and Buzz Lightyear spend Toy Story 1, 2, and 3 rescuing toys for either Andy or their newfound love child, Bonnie. And that's the story of a heroic toy caring for the relationship between the toys and one boy. It's a beautiful story. And so who wouldn't want to sign up to see the next one? The thing is, is that this particular movie took a little bit of a different twist. You see, Woody not only loved Andy, but he also loved another toy. Does anybody know who that toy is? Little Bo Peep. And Woody loves Little Bo Peep, but the problem was that Little Bo Peep got lost. But as fate would have it, Little Bo Peep and Woody once again find each other. But Little Bo Peep's mission had changed. She was now a lost toy. And Little Bo Peep, what she was trying to do was connect lost toys with a child. And so her mission was not just for one child, but instead a mission for all children. Woody at the end of the movie was really struggling. Am I so loyal to Bonnie that I am willing to go back? Or do I follow my heart and help Bo Peep on her mission of reaching out to connect lost toys with lost children forever. The mission was the same, right? To connect toys with children so that they may experience relationship and love. The difference was Woody was being challenged. Can I do that outside of my normal home? Woody decided to do that. And he spent the rest of his days until Toy Story 5 comes out. Connecting children to lost toys. And the mission expanded like wildfire and kids experience more joy than ever could be imagined because more children were experiencing what it meant to be in relationship. Woody looked outside of his walls. His eyes simply gazed beyond his own comfort and security. His mission never changed. He wanted to bring joy to people because of relationship. But this time, the mission was advanced 
extended and opened up for more children and for toys. So maybe it does matter if there were 70 or 72 people who were sent out. If it was only 70, then two people missed out on how vulnerability, the message of Christ, can transform lives and bring us joy that can only come from heaven. Those two matter. And who would want to miss out on a life of adventure, hope, healing, love, and joy? I know that I don't want to. What about you? Let's pray together. Jesus, your scripture says that when the 72 returned, that you were full of joy through the Holy Spirit. And you said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. Blessed are the eyes that see what you see, for I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you have heard, but did not hear it. Precious Lord, I pray that we will be able to live into vulnerability, that we will remember your message of love and grace and hope and healing, and that you will empower us through your spirit to reach out beyond so that we may experience joy. And so those around us will also experience joy. Transform our hearts, Lord, to love the way that you love and allow us to be beacons of hope in our communities. In Christ's name, amen. And Nide will be standing up here to receive any of you who have a decision that they would like to make this morning.
Did you hear what Jana said? God has invited each of us to be part of his mission here, to be part of creating his kingdom on earth. Will you be vulnerable? Are you ready to love? Are you ready to share in a courageous and bold way this love that you've experienced, this salvation that you've experienced? I'm going to ask Jana to come up here just a second. I want to thank her for being with us this morning. She's been here all morning. <laughs> she did an early service. She did Sunday school, and she's done this service for us. And it has been an incredible blessing to be part of all of those things with her. But I have felt really led this morning to have a prayer for her before we have our benediction. When I finish with our prayer, we will join together in singing the refrain of Here I Am, Lord, as our benediction. Listen to those words. What is God calling you to do? Who is he asking you to love? Let's pray. God of grace, I thank you so much for the ministry and the life of Jana. She is allowing you to use her in amazing ways and your spirit is being felt throughout this community because of her willingness to serve. Continue to give her the strength, the courage, the vulnerability she needs to listen to your spirit and follow where it asks her to go. Let her feel the continuing prayers of this entire congregation as we surround her with our love and our prayers for her continued journey of faith. In your son's name we pray, amen.